everyone. Welcome to New Point Community Church. Thanks for joining our podcast today. We pray that this series and this message inspires you to grow your faith and builds your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to everyone at each of our campuses stretched out across Eastern Ohio, New Point Online. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is my privilege and pleasure to be bringing you the message from God's Word today. Well, several years ago, I was in the market for a new car, and I'm not sure why I did this. Maybe I was going through a bit of a midlife crisis or something, but I decided I wanted to get a sports car. And really, at the time, I knew very little about RPMs or torque or the difference between a 3.6-liter engine versus a 5.7-liter engine, but I had seen all of the Fast and Furious movies, and my boys thought those movies were cool, and my wife said that to her, I kind of looked like Vin Diesel, so I thought, let's try to make this work, right? Let's make this fit. So I went to the uh, car dealership. And I test drove a 2005 maroon Ford Mustang. And it was the right price, it was the right miles, and I knew I wanted this car. So I came back to the dealership, and the salesman, he was trying to explain all of the features about the car to me. And I don't know if you're like me, but when a car salesman does that, I just kind of glaze over and just say, yeah, 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 acting like I know a little more than I do. And so he's telling me, this car's got rear-wheel drive. It's got a spoiler on the back. And I said, yeah, 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 I got that. And he said, it's got power windows. It's got dual airbags. It's leather interior. I said, yep, 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 I know. And he said, and this particular model is a GT. And I said, yep, GT, got it, right. Then I went and saw the finance manager, and he's talking to me about how much money I'll put down, what the payments will be, and then he tries to sell me a warranty. And I said, no, no, I don't want any warranty. And he says, well, that's okay, but I warn you, if you break down with this car, it's going to be expensive because this is the GT. And I said, yep, GT, I know, I got it. And I bought the car. And that night uh, at church, we were having a Wednesday night Bible study. I drove the church, the, the car back to church. And when I pulled in, everybody was like, wow, Pastor Dan got a new car. Ooh, it's a GT. And there were guys in the parking lot that had sports cars. Wow, you got the GT. And I realized real quick that the headline of this car was that it was a GT. And so I just started leading with that. Anytime somebody asked if I got a new car, I said, oh yeah, it's a GT. And somebody would say, oh, that's a nice car. I know, it's the GT. And finally, I said that one too many times. I was at Walmart and I was in the parking lot and an elderly man was walking by me and he said, wow, I really like that car. That is sporty. And I said, yeah, and you know, it's the GT. And he said, well, what does that mean? And I said, honestly, I have no idea. And uh, he laughed. And uh, I realized if I was going to be driving a GT and telling people about this GT, then I needed to do some research. And so I went online and I talked to, to some guys that knew a little bit more about a car than I did. And in fact, I did something I've, I've probably never done before when I bought a car. And I pulled out the owner's manual for the car and just began studying. And I realized that I had been driving that car for four or five weeks, just like you drive any car. And I really had no understanding of the incredible power that I had underneath that hood. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the power of God and the difference that that should make in your life. 
And I think for many of you here this morning, if I was to say, uh, do you know what the power of God is in your life? Are you aware there's power in the name of Jesus? I think most of us would kind of default and go, yeah, 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 I get it, Dan. I know, I know. Power in the Holy Spirit, power in the Lord, I get it. So before we answer that question, Let's take a little time and get out God's manual and see exactly what difference the power of God should be making in our lives. And we're gonna take a look this morning at a story of three young Hebrew boys. They were probably in their 20s, the Gen Z of their day. And these were boys that simply understood the difference that the power of God made in their lives. And because of that, they lived their life with a bold, courageous faith that impacted their world all around them. So if you've got your Bibles with you, you can open it to Daniel chapter three this morning. And uh, uh, we are continuing in our message series throughout the month of July going through this book. If you've got an app that can pull up the scriptures, go ahead and pull that out at this time. The passage that we're looking at this morning is the passage that I think is very appropriate for our day and age today, but it's also prophetic for what should be happening inside of us for us to have the proper posture to impact our world for Jesus Christ. So the story begins in chapter three, it's 605 BC. And as you've seen the last couple of weeks throughout the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar is in charge. He's the man, he's the king over much of the known world there in Babylon. And in that, one of the first things that he does is he takes captive Jerusalem. And he pulls out of Jerusalem the best and the brightest, and he puts them to use for his kingdom. Enter our three Hebrew boys this morning, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these guys are, are, are smart. They are, are good leaders, and they climb the ladder of success throughout his kingdom, and they become leaders over the provinces there in Babylon. And by all accounts, they're young, they're wealthy, they are influential, they are very comfortable. And a warning to those of us that follow Jesus Christ this morning, whenever you get to a place where you are comfortable in life, usually God is about to bring you through the fire for his glory. And that's exactly what happens in our story here. It begins in chapter three with Nebuchadnezzar going on a major ego trip. And he builds this 90 foot statue overlaid in gold. And it's a statue of himself. And he sets out a decree that all of the land, when the music plays, is to bow down and worship him, worship this idol, this statue that he has built. Now, a little time out in our story here, just for a moment. We are all created to worship. And you might be here this morning, and maybe you're not sure what you think about God, and maybe you're, you're not even sure what you believe about God, but you're here this morning, and every one of us have something inside of us that wants to know this God, that wants to worship him. But we get into trouble whenever we're not worshiping the one true God. We end up worshiping something that falls in line with our wants, our desires, our goals. And we end up worshiping when it's not the true God, some sort of false idol that resembles a whole lot more of ourselves than it does of the true God. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar does to the extreme. Has this 90-foot statue built. It's up there. And the command is everyone is to bow down at the music when it is played. You might say, what kind of music did they have back then? And I don't really know. But the name of our series is Bye Bye Babylon. And as a child of the 90s, every time I hear that title, I can't help but think of an NSYNC song, right? And so let's just imagine kind of the Old Testament version of a boy band, maybe Justin Timberlake's 
great, 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 great grandfather is up there leading and the music is to play. And as soon as that starts, everybody knows they are to bow down. And there's one little caveat to the story. If they don't bow down, they're gonna be executed and thrown into a fiery furnace. So you might call that a little bit of subtle pressure from the king to make sure everybody falls in line. And that's exactly what happened. The music starts, it plays. The Bible says all nations, all languages, all tribes bow down to that idol, except for our three boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stand up for their conviction. That brings us to fire-tested fact number one. The opposite of conviction is always compromise. See, compromise is always gonna be the easy thing to do. That's what everybody else is doing. That's kind of the default decision, your default belief. If you don't give much thought to it, that's what everybody in the kingdom was doing. They were bowing down, whether they were truly in their heart of hearts worshiping that idol, probably not, but they knew that was the command. They knew the punishment. If they didn't fall in line, that was the compromise. Conviction is what these three boys were doing. See, they believed in the one true God. And so that decision had already been made for them. And they were not going to bow down to this false idol. They stood up for conviction. When you stand for your convictions, usually you're gonna be standing all by yourself. That's the difficult thing to do. Usually it doesn't even feel right when you do it. And so these three boys stand up for their conviction and then notice things aren't much different today. Here comes the cancel culture crowd. Jump with me into the story in verse 12. And the Bible says this. The crowd says to the king, but there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you have set up. So here's the the, the peer pressure. And the peer pressure comes in and it begins to, to circle them kind of like a tiger shark. And I ask you this morning, how do you respond when you have to stand alone for what's right? And the pressure of this world begins to be unbearable. That's where our boys found themselves. They, they were leaders. And as leaders, they knew how to do what's right and to stand up for what's right. But that always brings along with it critics. And as much as we try today, we cannot get away from the the truth as a church that when we stand alone, when we stand up for righteousness, we will make people uncomfortable. That's just part of our faith. And these boys were prepared for that. They knew that was coming. And that brings us to fire-tested fact number two. True convictions lead to unshakable confidence. See, you'll never stand up by yourself. You'll never stand up for your convictions if you don't have incredible confidence. Their confidence was that they were serving the one true God. That was already settled. They knew that, and because of that, they had the confidence to stand alone. And so the story continues in verse 13. Nebuchadnezzar reacts, and it says, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summons Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold that I have set up? And he gives them another chance here. He says, now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. 
then here comes the, the, the million dollar question. He says, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? And I wanna ask you that same question this morning. Who do you fear? What, what God are you serving? Which God are you more afraid of? Because I think if we moved this story from the Old Testament into the United States of America in 2022, I don't think it would look a whole lot different. I'm not trying to be unkind, but I think most churches, most Christians, at least in America, if they were faced with this challenge, they would be more worried about the trends of social media than they would be about the truths of scripture. And I think most Christians would find an excuse to bow. They would bow quickly and they would justify it with very noble justifications, saying, well, we don't wanna cause division and we wanna keep the peace. We've gotta keep unity. And so we've gotta bow down. Look at that 90-foot image online. I mean, it's, it's trending. It's being shared and liked. I mean, look at that ratio. And I have to think that most of us would find a reason to justify bowing down and saying, God will understand. But that's not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They weren't worried about what the crowd around them thought. They weren't trying to justify compromise. They stood for their conviction. Verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And I love the boldness that they have here. They're able to say, look, look, we've already made this decision. And this brings us down to, to point number one. If you're a note taker, you can jot this down. Sometimes God delivers us from the fire and our faith is built. See, God wants us to build a faith that is courageous, that is able to stand when that day to bow comes. I remember the story of a, of a football coach uh, that I heard that took over a college program and he wanted to meet with his top recruiter and explain to him the kind of football player that they wanted to recruit at that school. And he said to the recruiter, he said, you know the kind of player that when he gets knocked down, uh, he doesn't wanna get back up again. He said, that's not the kind of player that we wanna recruit at our school. And then he told the recruiter, he said, you know the kind of player that when he gets knocked down, he gets back up, but then he gets knocked down a second time and, and he's kind of checked out at that point. He said, that's not the kind of player we want to recruit at our school. And then he said, you know the kind of player that when he gets knocked down, he gets back up, he gets knocked down a second time, he gets back up and the recruiter said, coach, coach, I get it. We want the kind of player that no matter how many times he gets knocked down, he gets back up, gets knocked down, he gets back up, blood, sweat, tears, he's ready to go. No matter how many times he gets knocked down, that's the guy we want to recruit. And the coach said, no, we want to recruit the guy that's knocking everybody down. And that, that was... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was their, their heart. That was their spirit in this. They, they had the kind of faith that was a bold faith and they recognized that they said they did not need to defend themselves. And I love that. They didn't have this faith that says, boy, we're ready to take our licks here, King. And our faith, we just get knocked down and we just keep getting back up again. They said, no, one way or another, God is going to deliver us. Their faith was a bold faith. And sometimes the, the, the greatest defense that you can have and that I can have when it comes to defending the scriptures, when it comes to defending God, is to, to simply not try to defend him. 
and to recognize God is big enough to deliver himself, uh, defend himself. God will either show up or he won't, but either way, he's God. And the greatest defense we can have is to simply stand up for what we believe in. It's to have a genuine testimony. Because people can argue with you all day long. And sometimes, no matter how well you know the Bible, no matter how long you've been a believer in Christ, there's no defense that you can give that's going to satisfy every single question. Somebody asks you, well, how would a good God allow this tragedy to happen in my life? Or why would, would God allow my child to suffer? We can give the Christian answers, some of us can from Scripture, but that usually doesn't satisfy the person asking that question. So you're not going to win every argument. But what someone cannot argue with is a life that's been changed by Jesus Christ. When they look at your life and say, this is who he was before Jesus, now look at the change in that person. That testimony is awfully hard to argue with. And it reminds me of the story in the gospel of John chapter nine, where Jesus takes the mud and he puts it on the blind man's eyes and he miraculously heals him. And of course, the Pharisees are upset and they're arguing and saying to the man that was healed, well, well, what do you think of this guy? Is he the Messiah or not? Is he a sinner or not? And the man says just very simply, I, I don't know. I have no defense. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. All I know is I once was blind. Now I see I'm gonna follow that man. That's the greatest defense that we can have is to simply have a genuine testimony. And that was the heart of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were careful what they said. They let their actions speak louder than their words. Story continues in verse 18. And they respond here and say, but even if he does not, we want you to know your majesty that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Now, at first glance here, it almost looks like that for a moment, they're backing up here and questioning God maybe questioning God's goodness or questioning even God's power, but they're not doing that at all. In fact, just the opposite. They are recognizing that God is God and they are not. And they know that God is able to perform a miracle. He could rescue them from the fire, but they have no guarantee that that's going to happen. And their confidence, their faith is in God no matter what the outcome is. They're ready, they are prepared, they've made their decision and, and they knew a, a fact that many of us don't get sometimes. And that is just simply that God is not always gonna behave the way we think he should if we were God. Uh, outside of scripture, you really can't speak for exactly what God is going to do in every situation. You just have to trust him. They were familiar with the Old Testament stories. They knew the, the, the godly prophet Uriah that was slain by the sword of Jehoiakim. But yet in the same story, God miraculously rescues Jeremiah. In the New Testament, uh, Herod uh, martyrs James. And yet then God miraculously rescues Peter from the same situation. And all throughout biblical history, all throughout human history, Christians have been miraculously rescued by God and others have been tortured. Others have paid the ultimate price. They were ready either way. Their faith was not in exactly what God would do. Their faith was in God, recognizing whatever he did, they were going to trust him. How many of you have seen the, the, the hot summer movie, Top Gun? You seen Top Gun? Raise your hand. All right. Uh, well, uh, I went and saw it opening weekend when it first came out, and uh, I was excited. 
Um, I'd asked my boys, my three sons, I said, do you guys want to go see Top Gun? And they said, well, what's Top Gun? And I said, you know, with Tom Cruise. And they said, well, who's Tom Cruise? And I said, well, just come on. You guys will love this movie. And it was a great, great movie. It was so good that I went back the second weekend and took my wife this time. And I asked her, I said, you want to go see Top Gun? And she said, Tom Cruise, I'm there. So she was a little easier to convince uh, than my boys. Uh, and we, we loved it. Oh, it was such a good movie. Uh, but there's a scene in that movie where the admiral who's in charge, and it's played by actor John Hamm, he is arguing with, with Tom Cruise's character, with Maverick. And he's arguing with him over the fact that Maverick wants all of the men and the women on the mission to come back alive. And the admiral is more concerned that the mission is accomplished, not so much that everybody survives. And so the admiral argues with Maverick and he says to him, he says, each one of these men and women knew the risk when they signed up. Meaning to a much larger degree, when you join the military, uh, when you join the, the army, you recognize that there may come a day when you have to give your life for your country. And, and you, you accept that and recognize that you don't want to do that, but you're prepared to do that. And that's exactly where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were with their faith. They weren't wanting to go through the fiery furnace, but they recognized some things are worth standing up for. Some things are worth dying for. And to them, this was it. Now, the, the, the beauty of this is that they knew Nebuchadnezzar's response. He said, I will immediately throw you into the fiery furnace. They did not know God's response. They didn't know what God was going to do. They said, but if not. But in that, they were more afraid of God than they were of the king or the gods of this world. And so I ask you again this morning, who do you fear? Are you afraid of the gods of this world or are you focused on your God? Because just like in Babylon, our world today demands allegiance. And there's no gray area. There's no tolerance for the church anymore. Uh, the, the, the world now tells the church what morality is, not the other way around. And see, when we read scripture and the Bible tells us marriage is between a man and a woman and that sex is created for God's glory inside of that marriage, the world tells us, no, 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 no. Church, you will fall in line with what we say. We will redefine marriage. We will celebrate all things sexual outside of marriage. And you as believers, you won't just accept this. You will approve it. You will celebrate sinful lifestyles. The world says when we play the music, you will bow down. And sadly, so many believers do that today. But that wasn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They stared political correctness right in the face. And what I love about it is in this story, they are so respectful and polite to the king. They're not looking to pick a fight. And that's the same way we are here at New Point. We love everybody. We want everyone to feel welcome and accepted. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what sin you're struggling with. I mean, join the crowd. I'm no better than you. You're no better than the person that's not here this morning. But what we don't want is for people to come to church and to leave confused about the truths of Scripture. We want to love them enough to be honest with them. And that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That You talk about tolerance. They put up with a lot. They tolerated a name change. That wasn't their original names. They tolerated a culture change and a language change. But they drew the line in the sand when it came to worshiping and bowing down to the gods of this world. And so I ask you this morning, are you more worried about being biblically correct or politically correct? When was the last time you drew the line in the sand 
at your workplace or in your school or in a family situation because you were confident, you knew what the word of God had to say and you weren't going to bow down to the beliefs or, or to the teachings of this world. That was the heart of these three Hebrew boys. The story continues in verse 19. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He wasn't messing around anymore. And he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, other clothes, were bound. They were thrown into the blazing furnace, and the king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. See, when you stand up for what's right, God will oftentimes do an incredible thing. He will give you an inner peace, and the world around you will begin to make no sense. And Nebuchadnezzar makes a really comical, ridiculous decision here. He heats up the furnace so hot, it kills his own men. And in the midst of that, had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego been burned, it would have eliminated any torture that they would have gone through. And so he throws them into this furnace and it says this, it says, these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. And what God is about to do is that as these men are tied up, he is about to use the fire that was meant to torture and to punish and to kill them and use that to burn off the ropes and to set them free. The story continues in verse 24. It says, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and that we threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly your majesty. And he said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like the son of God. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. This is an Old Testament survey or story. So from all of our Bible scholars here this morning, how would Nebuchadnezzar have known what Jesus Christ looked like? Because theologians believe this was a theophany. It was a pre-incarnate appearance of the son of God. How would Nebuchadnezzar have known that? Well, he wouldn't have. But what he did know was that they threw three men in the fire. And what he did know was that those three men, the fire that had just consumed his strongest men, had not killed them. And now there was a fourth person, and that left no doubt to Nebuchadnezzar who the true God was. And when you stand up for your convictions, when you know Scripture and the Word of God so well that you're able to, to, to make that, that, that decision of courage and of, of confidence, it will do something beautiful. It will reveal to the world around you who the true God is. And people who do not even know God, do not even know what God looks like, will see God and will recognize that has to be the true God. And that's what happened with these three boys. It says here that Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and he shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the royal advisors crowded around them. And they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor was a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was not any smell of fire on them. Point number two this morning, sometimes God delivers us through the fire and our faith is refined. These boys understood something that you and I sometimes get wrong. That's that God never promises us that we will not go through the fire. 
He doesn't make that promise. And sometimes that we are willing to serve God and our faith is there as long as God keeps us away from the fire. And if there's any hint of smoke, we are ready to bail. We're ready to check out. And it's almost like we get up every morning kind of putting God on trial, saying, God, if you will behave this way, if you'll act this way, I'll serve you. Uh, but, but if you're not there for me, that, 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 then I'm out of this deal. And God never promises us as believers that we won't walk through the fire. What he does promise us is that he will be there with us. He will walk through that fire with us. He will be that fourth person in the furnace. And these boys knew this. This story was a literal fulfillment of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 43. And they knew it says, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be there with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Don't miss this this morning. Those boys, their freedom came to them in the midst of the fire. That's where their bondage was burned off. That's where they were able to see Jesus Christ face to face. And you might be in the midst of a, of, a, of a fire right now. You might be walking through that furnace right now. And maybe it's an issue with your child and, and you found out your, your teenager is doing drugs or, or maybe it's a moral dilemma at work or maybe it's a problem with, with a family member, a brother or sister or a parent, and you're, you're in the midst of that fire. You've gotten that bad news about, about cancer or about heart disease or whatever it is, and you're walking through that fire. There is no safer place for you to be than walking through that with Jesus Christ. There's no better place for you to be. God will reveal things to you through the fire that you would have never seen otherwise. And it will make every dark day worth it, every disappointment, every heartache God will use to reveal more of himself to you. You will have a greater impact on the world around you. And though we would say, I wouldn't choose to walk through that fire. If God allows it, I'll walk through it hand in hand with him. And just as James says, we can count it all joy when we fall into trials and temptations, knowing that on the other side of the fire, our faith will be built. Our faith will be per, per, perfected. We will be that, that player that's knocking people down with that bold faith saying, I wouldn't have chosen to go through this, but if God allows it, I'm going to trust him, walk through this, praising him. And that's exactly what happens with Nebuchadnezzar. He begins praising God. It says that Nebuchadnezzar said, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him. They defied the king's command. They were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. So don't miss this. Their impact came on the whole province of Babylon after they stood for what was right. Then God takes them through the fire and it was through that they made a difference. And we as a church, so many times we want to reach our world, but we're so scared to offend them. We're so scared to make them angry. And we end up looking like Babylon. We sound like Babylon. We talk like Babylon. And the world looks at us and we're bowing down to the gods of Babylon and they see no difference. It's when you stand up for what's right and you show the world who the true God is, that's when your impact comes. And they impacted the heart of a king. They impacted the law of the land. And because of that, the Bible says God promoted them. And for each and every one of us, we recognize our promotion is coming one way or another. That brings us to our final point this morning. Sometimes God delivers us by the fire into his arms and our faith 
is perfected. The reason these boys had that boldness was they knew either way they won. They didn't know that God would bring them through the fire or maybe they were gonna go to glory one day. Either way, they were going to receive a promotion. And that's the same thing for you and I. For the believer, death is not the end, it's just the beginning. If that is true, your God is real, the scriptures are, are without error, then I ask you one last time this morning, what are you afraid of? What has, has you in bondage this morning? What part of the fire are you saying, God, I, I don't trust you quite yet? Maybe it's time to take that bold step of faith and to say, you know what, no matter what the world is saying, no matter what the popular opinion is, even if I have to stand alone, I'm gonna show the world who the true God is. Well, I finally figured out what a GT was. And I began driving that Mustang with incredible confidence and I would test it and uh, I would stretch it. And I found out that just giving it a little bit of gas, I could leave any police, I mean, any car in the dust that I wanted to. And uh, nobody drove that uh, a car with more confidence than me driving that Mustang years ago. And I did that until the day I totaled it on the highway and realized maybe it had a little too much power and I never did quite get a grasp of it. And I ask you this morning in closing, do you have an understanding of the power of God in your life? If you do, you will have that bold faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. Don't be a Christian that lives a life of compromise and weak faith, falling down every time you get knocked down by the world. There's too many of them out there. The world sees that. It has no impact. Recognize the power of God is real. It's alive. He places that inside of you and he's using you to demonstrate the goodness, the sovereignty of God to a world that desperately needs to see it. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, Lord, we love you. We thank you that you are a God we can have complete trust in and complete confidence. And Lord, I pray for the, the young person here today that maybe needs to go back to school this fall and just recognize no matter what everybody does, I'm gonna stand up for what's right. I pray for the, the man, the woman, the mom, the dad that's here today, that, that when the, the fire has come, their faith has, has folded. I pray that today would be the day that they recognize I'm gonna walk through this fire confident that God is with me, believing God will use me on the other side of this to impact the world around me. Lord, may we be people that have the confidence, the boldness, the faith of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to know more about us, please visit our website at newpoint.org. There you'll find past messages, parent resources, times and locations to all of our physical campuses, or you could just download our app at newpoint.org app. There you can find all those same resources just in a mobile version. We want to say thank you again for joining us and we'll see you next time.